Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Hired Geek Podcast, episode number 145 with Dean Lee Kump, uh, Dean of the College of Earth and Mineral Sciences at Penn State University. Uh, so I was really grateful for Lee's time here on the show, uh, giving his unique perspective as a dean of a college, which we just really haven't had on the show uh, super often. So uh, definitely was uh, cool to talk with him about his work and how he affects the culture of innovation on his team and his community of curiosity and his interest in uh, diving and kind of leadership parallels with that. And uh, Lee shares some uh, resources to definitely check out and yeah, just a unique perspective. So uh, very grateful for his time and all that he shared. Uh, and a quick note, uh, next month, I will be at South by Southwest EDU in Austin. Uh, so if you will be there on ground, uh, let me know. I'm super excited to check out Austin and meet with a bunch of fine folks and uh, be cool to meet fans of the show. So uh, look forward to uh, being there and recording a live podcast at the conference. Uh, so if you can't be there to uh, be a part of that live episode, uh, that is okay. I will eventually post the live audio uh, from that panel onto uh, the uh, podcast feed here. So uh, look forward to that. But without further ado, let's get to this bonus episode of the podcast, episode number 145 with Dean Lee Kump. Great. I am honored to have, uh, we have another esteemed guest here with us today, a Dean of a college at Penn State uh, so super interesting point of view that I'll be really excited to explore and uh, a bunch of other stuff uh, for today's episode. But uh, we will start out as we always do. Uh, if Lee, you want to introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your professional background and how you got to be where you are today. Okay. Well, thanks, Dustin. Really glad to be here. I'm Lee Kump. I'm the John Leone Dean of the College of Earth and Mineral Sciences at Penn State. We're um, We're a smaller college, but we like to think of ourselves as a microcosm of the university. We have uh, physical sciences, engineering, and social sciences as well in, in our college. So interesting mix of, of uh, disciplines focused on issues around environmental change, energy, um, advanced materials for society. I'm a, I'm a geoscientist myself and oceanographer. I grew up in Minnesota. If you look at the globe, it, um, probably Minnesota is about as far as you can get from the ocean, but we did have televisions and and I watched uh, Sea Hunt and Jacques Cousteau and that mm -hmm. uh, you know, got me uh, excited to explore the um, oceans. I also liked solving mysteries. So somehow I ended up being an oceanographer, mostly studying ancient oceans and um, and in deep time. So, you know, the, the mysteries that the geologic record has about how climate and um, and the environment has evolved over time. So I came to Penn State in 1986 as a new assistant professor into a uh, Earth System Science Center. It's one of the first um, uh, 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 at the institutional level across the country focusing on the interactions between oceans, atmosphere, life, and the solid Earth. Looking at uh, main issue, you know, major issues of global environmental change, and and uh, been affiliated with that group ever since. Um, really didn't come into it thinking I'd I'd ever get into administration, but um, be, uh, served as a department head in the Department of Geosciences, and then back in 2017 had the opportunity to become dean, and so spent my entire professional career at Penn State. Um, so that's you know I have limited viewpoints, I suppose, from that point of view, but. Um, Grew up in Minnesota, did my undergraduate work in Chicago, um, and my graduate work at the University of South Florida. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I mean, being there at Penn State, uh, 
I mean, even just being one place, it's it's a long time. So a lot, you know, sort of changing over all that time and everything, just from you know your first days as a professor all the way up to now. Um, and I guess just you know it could be a thing or many things. You know, like you said, you didn't really intend. You know, it wasn't like oh, I'm I'm coming here because I want to be dean one day or something. But now that you are, you know, like what's your favorite part of being a dean at a college at Penn State? You know, maybe breaking each of those down, just being a dean in general and then being a dean at that college and then being a dean at Penn State. There's a lot of layers, but um, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, it, like I said, I didn't aspire for this. And and um, one of my concerns was that I would lose touch with students. You know, I've, what I've enjoyed over the course of my career is is um, is my work in the classroom and, and because of the discipline I'm in, field work. And so I spent a lot of time traveling with students and especially sharing with them the marine environment. And so it's a little bit, um, you know, it was with some trepidation that I that I uh, went into this uh, administrative role. But happily, I found that I continue to work with students, student leaders, really impressive group of students in, in our college um, and uh, with great vision and energy and enthusiasm and passion and and um, and, you know, and then, you know, so in, in our college, because of this blending of disciplines, really have great opportunities for brainstorming with the faculty and and empowering them to um, to pursue really important lines of research, teaching and, and outreach um, in these areas of global environmental change and uh, energy for 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 the world. And um, and how we can bring new advanced materials to solve a lot of these problems. So it's been a great college to to work with. Um, relatively small, we're we're agile faculty. Um, when we, you know, especially before the pandemic, but even through the pandemic, have been energized to um, to innovate and um, and so it's been a great group of people to work with. Then you know the. The other part of it that was a surprise to me, because I figured that deans are always fighting turf battles with other deans, and um, and my experience has been just the opposite. We have an incredibly collaborative group of deans across uh, Penn State system, uh, deans and chancellors of our of our Commonwealth campus system, but um, uh, and and then. Um, you know, great opportunities for collaboration, and, you know, and not just with the obvious colleges like engineering and science, but uh, have a great collaboration with the, with the uh, law school around uh, energy law and policy. So it's been really a nice surprise to, to find that, that uh, we work so, so well together. We have a central administration, a president, a provost who really promote collaboration. They, they are most receptive to new ideas and requests for uh, resources when it comes from multiple deans to work at the interface of the disciplines to solve problems. So that's been a, you know, just across the board, it's been a great experience for me. And, and I just, I've come to really enjoy those interactions with people, um, bringing in new new people with new connections and and working at those interfaces to uh, to really do some innovative things. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, just that idea of like, you can get kind of uh, the best of all those worlds, I get, you know, like still having some uh, connection with students, but then working more collaboratively, like not just like, you know, kind of in your own little, you know, kind of sphere of influence or anything. And just, yeah, within your college and across colleges and everything. And just, uh, yeah, it does sound like a really uh, great environment. And, 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 you know, there's yeah. also, there's, um, there's a being in this leadership position, I have, I have influence too. And so, you know, there are a lot of things that I've 
thought about um, over the course of my career, things I would like to see happening at uh, Penn State. And now I'm in a position to to really uh, effectuate those those ideas. So so there is a you know, there's satisfaction from, from that point, uh, from that point of view as well. I'm not power hungry, but but uh, <laughs> it's but it's nice to be able to have the ear of the president who is a former dean of of my college and a and, and a long uh, long time colleague of mine and and the provost is outstanding as well. So just have a great group of people to work with. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, just the idea of like that you take that responsibility to like, well, we want to like, you know, drive things forward and innovate, like you were saying and everything, just not just kind of maintaining it. Like is that, that's an important part of sort of like just the ongoing maintenance uh, of things. But um, yeah, especially given, you know, the past two years, just uh, recognizing the, the, responsibility that you have as the dean to be that person yeah who's like kind of using their influence to um yeah make positive change and everything well and it's been a challenge like you say and um and in particular you know people are i think you know in 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 all walks of life but certainly true in academia people are really um challenged by the pandemic there's extra work there's stresses on the system there are stresses uh at at, at home. And so it's, you know, for the last almost two years now, it's been, it's been challenging to, to um, sustain that level of excitement for, for innovation. And you, you know, there's a tendency to want to get into that maintenance mode, but um, you know, we're in the mid, we are in the midst of strategic planning and, and uh, you know, I was really happy to see the level at which faculty, staff, and students were engaged in that process, knowing that, if there's ever a time that we need to be strategic in our decision making, it's it's in the in the midst of a um, pandemic. But I think one of my responsibilities here, something I've been really focused on, is um, trying to minimize unnecessary burden on the faculty and staff, um, and trying to carve out time because you know time is our most precious commodity, and and with all of the new expectations on faculty and, and, uh, and the um, challenges of compliance and, you know, the concerns about export control and, and, um, and um, it's just, uh, there's so much on a faculty member's plate uh, that we have to try to streamline all of those processes and, and carve out that time where, where they can do what, what they do best. And that's to um, teach to conduct their research and and to um, and to innovate and drive the institution forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just because a lot of what we want to talk about is just sort of you know your leadership style, how you're building kind of that that culture and community there. Um, I guess just as briefly as you can, because I, I want to get into like the question after this, because I feel like it's going to be such a unique uh, conversation. Um, how would you? describe your leadership style like i guess just as kind of concisely as you can and then we'll get into some of the things i know that sort of influences i think your uh point of yeah view. you know i think it's it's um i'm a facilitator i you know i i take uh we've talked about you know trying to carve out time and things like that but i also uh feel like i'm paid to find time myself to look for opportunities that um that present themselves for our college and then bring together the right people to to take advantage of those opportunities and um and and help facilitate that with 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 resources so 
you know, my 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 goal is to um, is to try to create an environment where the, our faculty, staff, and students can thrive. And um, I don't have a, a fixed agenda. Um, you know, I don't have uh, specific goals. I'm not not that kind of leader. Um, I've been in this co- in the, at this university now for um, you know for 35 years, and so I have a pretty good sense of of what's possible here. Um, but but it's it's more about empowering, uh, facilitating, and um, listening, and and um, and uh, bringing people together so that they can. Um, do great things. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. But I, I know, um, based on kind of things that we we're talking about to talk about for this podcast, in terms of just your your leadership style and everything, uh, I believe it is correct that you have a interest in uh, deep sea diving, um, <laughs> and uh, that that kind of plays into. And I love these sort of like you know sort of parallels or you know kind of drawing life lessons from unexpected areas. So, how does your interest in deep sea diving play into how you kind of talk and act out kind of leadership and everything? Yeah. And, and just to be clear, um, I'm not, you know, deep sea so much. In fact, most of my interest is in places where you can see the, see the bottom through nice, clear Caribbean okay. or, or okay. Pacific water. <laughs> um, and in other words, you know, through uh, access by um, scuba. But, um, but it, you know, it's, it's that, um, I guess it's, it's that spirit of uh, exploration and, and, and discovery, the excitement of exploring new environments. Um, and, and I think that translates into exploring new areas, new approaches, um, discovering uh, uh, solutions for important problems to society. I, I think I carry that same, um, same passion for that um, for exploration uh, into my work as as dean and try to you know try to share that passion um, with my colleagues and and um, and students um, and and uh, you know so I think and there's you know there's risk management in that uh, and a certain amount of risk tolerance that I think is really important I think one of the greatest risks to universities is becoming too risk averse because it um, we have to push things a bit to to be able to um, to to make breakthroughs in in a lot of areas and so um, I I have a pretty high uh, risk tolerance <laughs> um, you know within limits I am a dean and responsible for for uh, the financial health and the and the um, and the welfare of our of our community but um, but I think you know willing to take some risks. Um, uh, where there are, where's the potential for for high high reward is at least one connection there with with my passion for diving. You know that I I don't um, crave going scuba diving anymore just for myself. Um, I really only dive now when I can bring others into these environments um, and in particular students. And I you know even though I'm dean, I'm still teaching a, a class once every other year uh, in marine biogeochemistry and. And we have a field trip during spring break associated with that, where I can bring students into uh, largely Caribbean environments uh, to the proximity here, and and uh, and so it's 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 also translated into this, you know, wanting to um, uh, make sure that other people have these experiences as well. 
Yeah, that's great. And uh, I guess, if, yeah, I apologize maybe for like the uh, misappropriation of like deep sea diving because I think like in my head immediately, like any sort of diving like that would just be like, oh, I'm so deep. I'm so deep. Like, you know, I have like an aversion generally to like being underwater or like a lot of just things about being uh, in the water. So um, yeah, kudos to you for uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, doing that. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's uh, not for everyone. Um, and and uh, But there are ways to get exposure for, for everyone. And, mm-hmm. um, and we do have people who work in the deep sea and go down in, in submersibles. And I would love to do that myself, but, but, um, you know, most of what I do is, is, is in the, in the, uh, coastal ocean and, and, you know, typically in, in nice warm environments these days, although, like I said, I learned how to scuba dive in Minnesota and we train our students to scuba dive in quarries and rivers and, you know, murky, cold environments here in, in uh, central Pennsylvania. So. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah. Cause but, but I think like this is a perfect segue to my next question. Just the, that idea that you uh, don't just do it for yourself. You do it, you know, with your community and to facilitate, um, you know, curiosity and just sort of, a, uh, I guess an appreciation for just like what is possible. And I appreciate like it. Yeah. It's not the idea of being like, uh, risk doesn't matter. We should ignore it. It's like, it's just managing, uh, our own risk aversion. Cause yeah, I think there is that tendency of just wanting to kind of, you know, turtle up and just kind of like, you know, never change anything. Just keep doing things always the same way and all that, which just, uh, you know, can't really be done now, but, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, it's something that I think is is something that you work towards is just this community of curiosity. Um, what does that look like? You know, as you strive to create it at uh, Penn State. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I was just thinking about uh, one of my favorite sayings, and and that is that good judgment comes from experience, but experience comes from bad judgment. And and when I think back over over my career you know, a lot of the learning that I did was through um, some bad judgments that I made along the way that, that gave me that experience. And, and so, you know, I think about that in, in a measured way um, as a parent and, and, um, and, and, and as, a, as a faculty member and, and, and now as a dean. So, so yeah, it's risk management. Uh, it's not carefree, um, uh, you know, throw caution to the wind type of behavior. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's this, um, you know, you, you mentioned a community of, of, of curiosity. Part of it is that it makes it so much more fun um, to engender curiosity. There's a certain amount of knowledge one needs to, to um, I'm thinking now as a scientist, to, to have the curiosity um, channeled in a way that can lead to, you know, scientific breakthroughs and, and discoveries. But, but, you know, focusing on that um, and emphasizing it and rewarding it, we have, uh, we have a, um, we have an award we give every year in our college um, uh, and, and endowed um, prize uh, from one of our very successful alumni who, um, who also, values innovation and and it, and it's a breakthrough award and and so we we receive nominations every year from from anyone uh for of of their peers who who they feel have made a, a major breakthrough in their research or in their pedagogy um it's 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 wide open and it's so much fun to celebrate those 
discoveries and um, and to and it and it um, and it snowballs. So when you give a, an an award and recognize somebody who's who's developed a material that can, um, in a sense, cloak uh, a cancer drug so that it uh, it can pass through the body without doing damage to bone or tissue until it finds a tumor and then it disintegrates and releases the drug. You know, when you hear about things like that, where research that you're doing in the laboratory can can ultimately lead to a breakthrough that can save lives, um, that gets people thinking, I think, a little bit differently about the work they do, the the possibilities there, where where they might focus their efforts in their research, for example, to on really important problems for for uh, that that society is facing. It's it's very rewarding for the individuals involved. And it's um, also very rewarding for me to see that excitement and, and, um, and the, um, and the hard work that people then put into their, um, to their research and teaching to, to, um, to, to really make a difference. So, you know, I think there are a variety of ways to uh, promote curiosity. Um, and in that, in this community of curiosity, there's also a spirit of, of, um, exploration and discovery and and innovation uh, words that I've used quite a bit today but it's but it's all sort of part of that same um, same spirit that you that you uh, that you have within a college like ours and um, and and it's in a, and it requires some agility and um, and frankly resources to help support that and so you know that's that's where I put put my efforts is um, into making sure we have endowments and and funding sources and and that others know about the work that we're doing um, so that um, so we can continue to grow that community. Yeah, well, and it's great too. Like, cause it, I think so many people do just kind of talk a big game when it comes to like you know saying like, oh, we have like a yeah community of curiosity or you know innovative culture and all that, but you know. Yeah, like a big way to really like put your money where your mouth is kind of thing is saying like, hey, we're going to highlight and uplift and celebrate uh, the folks who are really living that out uh, and make it clear that that's something that is important and, uh, you know, deserves to be recognized. And everyone everyone sees that it's really important to the individual being recognized and then everyone else is, you know, witnessing that and, you know, they can kind of strive towards that as well. And that's that can just be one sort of lever uh, to, to utilize in addition to, um, I'm, I'm assuming sort of in your position, try to like help bring people together and talk and, you know, cause I know just even just like 30 minutes with a colleague, sometimes you can start connecting dots and having like really great epiphanies and everything. So, yeah. And it's just carving out that time, finding, you know, mm -hmm. you know, clearing people's plates from, from the mundane routine and unnecessary, work, finding ways to, to, to uh, carve out that time. But, you know, it, 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 you also point out you need to put some resources into that. And one of the things I think our institution has done really successfully where others haven't. And, you know, for example, you think about um, environmental science, there's, there are, you know, environmental institutes and, and programs um, across the country. One, one thing that Penn State did, not exclusively, but I think very effectively was put real, real money into its institutes for energy and the environment and, and the real money was in co-hire funds and uh, so millions of dollars were channeled frankly through uh, taxation on on departments and colleges over many years of 
a budget reduction, but then with opportunities to 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 um, to recoup those funds as long as one was participating in university wide initiatives. And and um, so in energy and environment in materials and life sciences, in social sciences, we have institutes that are well funded by the university with co-hires to, to be able to hire new new faculty in this particular case um, to explore areas of, of and in particular interdisciplinary collaboration um, in, in, and, and, and that nudges what might otherwise be disciplinary siloed departments to think more broadly about the scope of, of what they do. And, and in our college, we've really capitalized on those opportunities for um, co-funding in, you know, because the, the university-wide themes that, that are represented by these institutes really resonate with with um, with the folks in, in my college, so I think real investments, um, uh, providing resources for personnel and for facilities, are a, are a key part of of this success. Yeah, that does sound like a really smart model, and it makes me think of like in a respect, like because yeah, it's sort of like saying like we are an institution; we're not just like you know a bunch of islands, sort of operating on their own it's like to an extent yes like there's gonna be such specialized focused things happening in each uh sort of corner of campus but uh you know something that i always think about is sort of like the idea of rising tide lifts all ships kind of things like hey if we're all doing you know better together you know or just sort of like working in a way that sort of makes sure that you understand that you're part of this university community because it could be like, yeah, well, this, you know, larger college is able to just have the resources to do certain things. But like you said, like everybody giving a little bit helps everyone work towards, you know, these broader university goals or just sort of things that are like, you know, we're just doing them because it's the right thing to do, like be more sustainable or be, you know, uh, working in a way that's just smarter, more efficient. Well, and it also helps with uh, prestige and reputation and, and, and those sorts of things benefit everyone. Um, in in recruiting and retention and in um, in the success and in, in their you know seeking of research funding and and the success of our alums uh, to be affiliated with uh, top notch institutions. So you know I, I I really do think there is that esprit de corps across campus and and um, and and you know there's a recognition but it has it doesn't go so far as to um, uh, you know, ignore the needs of of more traditional areas within the university, or 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 areas that you know don't have the opportunity for generating multi million dollar uh, research funding projects and that sort of thing. So, so it, it's it's a uh, it's an emphasis, but it's not at the exclusion of of uh, focus on the arts and, and humanities, for example, which our um, which our president has been very supportive of. Gotcha. Uh, well, as we wind down, I think with everything that we've thought about, uh, you know, talked about and thought about here, uh, you know, hopefully there's maybe some resources that you could shout out to share um, that have helped inform your perspectives, your work, uh, any books, podcasts, videos that you'd want that we can uh, include in the show notes. Well, you know, um, it, you know, I'm very concerned about uh, in, in, uh, global change, as I've been mentioning, um, climate change, with my emphasis on on uh, you know the marine environment. I also know that that um, you think about coral reefs for example they are they are in crisis mode right now we're losing uh healthy coral reefs um every year and 
and climate change is a, is a big part of that. And so, you know, I've been working with a colleague, uh, Michael Mann, on a on a book, Dire Predictions, that is is there just to help uh, understand the uh, causes of climate change, the the uh, the uh, the the impact, and then most importantly, what we can do about um, you know trying to mitigate against the um, the the, uh, the the potential damage that we're facing on on a global basis. So you know, I just encourage everyone to get well informed um, about global change and and um, and be thinking about. Um, you know how we're going to get to net zero carbon em, em, carbon emissions, and there are any number of great resources out there. Um, and in fact, it's time for Mike and me to update dire predictions. So, so we're working on that. You know, I also really uh, think that it's a time when we have to bring in uh, diverse viewpoints um, and perspectives, and and uh, support the participation of uh, you know with representation. From across society, and um, and I'm in I'm in a field myself, you know, that or in a discipline that's very fieldwork heavy, and um, and this has been a been been a challenge, and a number of high profile examples of harassment and intimidation, in particular of uh, women out in the field. And one thing I would encourage everyone to view is the uh, documentary Picture a Scientist. I don't know if you've had a chance to view that yourself, but it it discusses um, uh, four, it has four uh, just stellar women scientists who have um, faced a variety of challenges there and, and including uh, challenges around being a um, woman working in, in the field. And so I think, you know, one of the things we have to do is to make sure that that higher ed, uh, higher ed institutions and in particular in the STEM disciplines are as accessible and supportive and inclusive as possible. And um, in that film, uh, Picture of Scientists is really uh, a powerful uh, exposition of the challenges that we face. So um, I would encourage people to watch that as well. Yeah, great recommendations. And um, yeah, I just love those, uh, you know, pieces of content that really are just like highlighting people's voices and their stories. And it was just like, that's really compelling. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I love just the sort of underlying uh, uh sort of topic in this episode of, you know, your work and everything on, uh, you know, climate change and everything. Um, yeah. Cause that's something I, I kind of just am personally very uh, interested in as well. So, uh, you know, with all of that though, um, as we wind down here, we always like to just kind of give an opportunity uh, for our final thoughts or a call to action on this topic uh, to end the episode with. Well, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're you know, with the Omicron uh, variant now, um, uh, surging, it's 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 uh, it's it's been a real challenge these last couple of years in uh, for for everyone. It's been a, a challenge for everyone in in, in higher ed, and um, and I just you know uh, I think a call to action is just to to stick with it, um, and and we'll be we'll be out of this soon. And I think we are learning a lot over the course of the last couple of years, um, not just because of uh, issues related to to the coronavirus, but um, other uh, important things that have happened over the last uh, last couple of years that that I think are going to put us in a much better place when we emerge from 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 the pandemic and um, and can really 
reignite our passions, um, uh, as we've been discussing today, uh, you know, around discovery, ex- exploration, um, drawing on, drawing on, on curiosity. This is what you know, and 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 having fun doing it, and um, and so I'm just looking toward the end of this long tunnel that we've been through. And um, knowing that, you know, in the position I am, I'm going to have to be there to try to help people, um, you know, get some of this, you know, get this spirit back as, 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 as soon as possible. So I think, you know, the message is just hang on. There's some important things that we need to do. We need to get through this first. But, um, but uh, when, we, when, we, when, we get, when we get clear of, uh, of this pandemic, a lot of important work. Um, around energy and environment, and it's going to take the take the best minds and a very diverse set of perspectives to solve these problems. Yeah, I love that sentiment. I think you know my hope is that yeah, this has all taught us uh, some lessons around kind of collective responsibility, and that we are uh, all living on this uh, big rock together, and sort of our actions impact each other and everything. Um, I think that's been very apparent uh, over these past two years. And yeah, I mean, as we're recording this, this is uh, uh, mid-January. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, things just keep kind of ebbing and flowing so much. So yeah. this is a quick footnote to people to know, you know when, when we're talking here. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe because... maybe people will be listening and we'll be past the pandemic. That'd be great. But, yeah. you know, I think for us too, you know, for, for, for myself as a scientist, um, you know, I, I love the phrase follow the science. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, we have learned, we have re- remembered as a society, the importance of, of uh, science in, in um, guiding policy and guiding decision making and planning for the future. And, and I hope we can sustain that beyond a, you know, um, uh, 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 health related issues and, and extending into issues of, of environmental change and, and energy for the future. Yeah. Well, and I think just the last note too, is like, I think that's such a perfect way to phrase it too, is like follow the science because it's like, yeah, it's going to keep leading us in new areas and uncharted territory and everything. Like it's not static, you know, it's dynamic. Um, so yes, uh, a great place to end things. Uh, just thank you so much for for hanging out and sharing all that you did, and uh, we have ways to connect with you and everything that we mentioned in the show notes as usual. Um, but yeah, just really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Dustin. I've I've really enjoyed being with you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.